Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10 a.m. on 3CR Community Radio, 855 a.m. on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 167th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change for more than 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about the outsourcing of things that are traditionally or should traditionally be done by government, following the ideology that the market does everything best. Yeah, known as neoliberalism, of course. That's right. For quite a few programs, we have looked at how democratic processes in our country have been severely eroded since the 1980s under the influence of this neoliberalism. Mm -hmm. We have also discussed how the role of the state in governing the political economy of our society has been eroded. Yeah, and just two weeks ago, of course, we talked about ways that democratic participation in decision-making could actually be improved. And by the way, it's not by being ruled by a far-off monarch. That's right. Today, we continue to examine the ways in which our governance system now operates and which needs to be addressed if we want to have a chance of restoring democracy. Mm. Indeed, we have seen government withdraw from the running of many programs they it or it used to run previously, based on the broad philosophy that the private sector would do this better, more effectively and efficiently. Many other elements of government decision-making have been undermined by outsourcing even research and evaluation mm. and by skipping the usual tendering processes which create accountability and transparency for us citizens. So in short, today we're talking about outsourcing and the consequences this has had on different government programs. Yeah, so first recapping on the central culprit neoliberalism, which we call it, uh, within the philosophy known as neoliberalism, profit-seeking firms are seen as the best and most efficient producers of goods and services. And by extension, the idea is that profit-seeking firms are considered most efficient in allocating communal resources on behalf of government, mm. so doing the government's work. In short, uh, Neoliberalism represents a fundamental preference for the market over the state as a way of resolving problems and human ends. And that's a quote from Rosie Collington and Mariana Mazzucato from their report, Beyond Outsourcing, Re-Embedding the State in Public, which really describes the topic pretty well. So one result of the neoliberal takeover since the 1980s is the privatisation of a large part of what were traditional roles of government. That is, what we once looked to governments to do on our behalf is now often done by private, profit-making corporations, and mm. it's really widespread yes. and entrenched. That's right, and areas of 
what we call public value that are legitimately created and sustained by government on behalf of citizens and they include things like education, health, welfare services, Centrelink payments, housing, public housing particularly, yeah. and the built and the natural environment. So public value is what's of value for the public mm. and should be the legitimate province of government concern and action. Mm. A few weeks ago, I referred to the neoliberal government's governance model of outsourcing as governance doing the steering while outsourcing the rowing to private companies. Mm. Steering and rowing. Mm. <laughs> These are the sorts of banal simplicities we are all duped by. Um, it, it basically means I might prescribe how and what needs doing mm -hmm. and I pay someone else to do it. Mm. So the government decides what should be done and pays someone else to do it, supposedly. It's deceptively simple and common sense on the surface, mm. one of those little homey-type wisdoms That's that right. don't really make sense in just, the Just like calling everything delivering or something like that. <laughs> and what of the steering as well could be outsourced? Yeah, so, so, yeah, so you're saying what if the directions no. that government takes on yes. our behalf would actually... The steering. That's right. When private companies do also the steering work, yeah, basically, or give give the cognitive content to the steering work. So just think of the consultancies providing governments with advice and strategies these days, often market-centered strategies too, in line with the marketized world of government. These consultancy firms themselves are benefiting from. Yeah. So engaging these firms is seen as a market solution, but these firms might also recommend marketized solutions to deal with social and economic issues. Yeah, that's right. And mm. therefore, no wonder that since they are believing in the capitalist greed, kind of comes first that mm. they will do policies which are in favor of capitalist greed. Uh -huh. And just think, what if we are outsourcing the identification of what would create public value for the people in the first place, so that we are saying what people need mm. and let it be said by private companies? Yeah. And what if we were outsourcing the management of what is of public value just as well? Yeah, well, Shark, imagine leaving it up to the private profit-making companies to set the objectives for government, which we should be doing actually, That's right. <laughs> to set the objectives for governments to deal with economic or social issues and support us, the people. For example, should we outsource planning and management of the housing crisis to private firms, which we sort of are? Mm. Um, or well, we are leaving it to the market That's actually right. in we different ways. Do. Um, and the investment, uh, especially in terms of investment. So, should we outsource planning and management of the housing crisis to private firms? including the ways that we address homelessness. Should yeah. we leave that to private firms? The private sector solves homelessness. You'll be a long time waiting. So we're talking we about the identification of what is of public value by private firms engaged by government. We're talking about the management of what is of public value. But what if we were also outsourcing the production of public value, like social housing, as, we, as uh, Jennifer just said before, yeah, for example? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess we've seen a highly corporatised model for building community housing mm -hmm. um, probably over the last couple of decades. Even while um, companies may be not-for-profit, they're operating on a corporatised mm, model. Exactly. All that comes with that. 
So instead of the state building public housing, which it pretty much stopped doing around the 1980s Mm -hmm. to a substantial extent, um, and so instead of the state building public housing, um, putting us and thousands of people Mm-hmm. In the current, um, that's putting us in a state of crisisness, a current mm-hmm. state of crisisness of homelessness and precarious housing for many. So many people, not mm-hmm. necessarily homeless, but very near homeless and that's right. precarious. Because, because of affordability. So that's what's that. happened yeah. with the state withdrawing from public housing. That's right. Rosie Collington and Mariana Mazzucato talk about these different levels of generating public value, identifying, managing, and producing public value. And they particularly criticise how governments outsourced the production of goods and services of public value, saying that this led to governments losing their capacity to learn and adapt. When governments outsource the core things they do and need to do, they also lose their own knowledge and skill base over time and their ability to adapt and change direction in response to new circumstances or new information. Yeah, so the government loses its own capacity mm-hmm. to address the needs and aspirations of the population, and we really see that in the shrinkage of the public service. Exactly. This is exactly what has happened in Australia with the, gradu- the gradual decimation of the public service. Figures obtained by the Saturday paper and by michaelwest.com Uh, They show that since the coalition took power in 2013, consulting fees paid to the big four accounting firms, EY, Deloitte, PricewaterhouseCooper and KPMG, they have exploded. Mm. Spending on mainly those consulting firms more than doubled from 2013 to almost $700 million dollars in 2018, and it has continued to grow since. So $700 million of our taxpayers' money largely going to those four consultancy firms. It's outrageous. And as internal government capability declines, with the shrinkage of the public service, the rollback of the public service, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. use of, obviously, the use of external consultants and contractors has escalated, exactly. and we're all paying for yes. it. Absolutely. The former Secretary of the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, Terry Moran, he told the, social, the Saturday paper that outsourcing is just a symptom of a larger problem, and I quote him, The reality is that the cause of that outsourcing occurring is tied to reductions in departmental staff contractions to Canberra and a lot of pressure, not just from politicians, but from the central agencies to use microeconomics as the Swiss army knife of policy. And it is showing. I feel sorry for the public servants concerned. And they have got to this point largely because of a lot of change over a decade or more that has been designed to, and that is an important notion to residualise the public service. Yeah, well, I think uh, Barnaby Joyce um, put this quite pithily. It's getting government out of our lives, basically. Exactly. And an independent review of the Australian public service in 2019 reluctantly released under Scott Morrison's watch, and the title of it was Our Public Service, Our Future. 
It found that the Australian public service is in an appalling state and ill-equipped to serve the public interest or to create public value due to the drive to become more business-like and outsource the things it usually does to private corporations. And we'll talk more about that after the break. In the meantime, let's have some music. The Sound of Silence by Disturbed. Listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Before the break, we were talking about how the Australian public service has shrunk and is now ill-equipped to serve the public interest due to outsourcing things that were traditionally done by government. Yeah, so... Julianne Schultz wrote a great piece about this in the Saturday paper, again, on the 12th of February. And this is what she put it really well, so I will quote her. Uh, The desire to make the Australian public service more like business proved to be a goldmine for the big consulting firms and resulted in it shrinking by a third over several decades to just under 250,000 people. The loss of corporate memory as a result means that one of the country's core institutions suffers a form of organisational dementia. The tendrils of memory are weak and unreliable. This is exacerbated by dependence on consultants who are paid a lot but not enough to recall a lifetime 
of departmental knowledge about what works, unquote. Yeah. yeah, referring to a major review of the public service, Julian Schultz describes how the corporate, corporatized public service, and again, continue her quote, has become excessively centralized, hierarchical, rigid, inflexible, and resistant to change, mm. end of quote, while also becoming much smaller and not up to the task of responding to the emergencies of recent years. Well, Jacques, we don't have to think much further than mm. the r- pandemic, mm-hmm. which is still going. And, and the floods were just still going. And environmental disasters totally. like floods and fires, they've really shown up the inability of the current Australian public service to properly serve the public and the public interest in times of really dire need. Mm-hmm. And, and while the Australian public service has become adept at contract administration and outsourcing advice and implementation, (laughs) it's no longer skilled in longer-term service delivery or policy that creates what is actually of value to us, the public. And quoting Julianne Schultz again, Once upon a time, Canberra would have been bristling with scenario and risk management plans and strategies prepared in case fires or floods, closed highways, pandemics swept in, or trading partners pulled up the drawbridge. 25 years of outsourcing and number crunching means this advice about unpredictable events is surplus to the immediate requirements of day-to-day politically driven administration. That's right. Mm. So the experts who once prepared them these plans were given handsome redundancy payments, leaving their out-of-date scenario plans sitting on red in filing cabinets in the National Capital at precisely the time they were most needed, unquote. And on a broader (laughs) scale, the 2019 review into the Australian Public Service lamented the hollowing out of strategic policy skills and, again, quote, the ability to understand the forces at play in the world, what is needed to position the nation to meet challenges and opportunities and to develop, analyse and provide incisive advice to the government. Yeah, well, Jacques, just think about the implications of this for environmental policy Mm -hmm. and dealing with climate change or global warming. That's right. Believe it to private capital and uh, they will tell you what private capital needs Mm. rather than what the public and the environment needs. So meanwhile, again, quote, Australia's consulting industry, public and private, is the fourth largest in the world. As a discussion paper released by the Australia Institute's Bill Brown suggests, by population, he says, Australia's spending on consulting is greater than that of any other country. Wow. And about double that of comparable countries like Canada or Sweden. So our government has really gone crazy with outsourcing the work of government. Totally. And in terms of the efficiency this corporatized model was meant to provide, savings have not been there at Mm. all. Government has bloated into a quasi-market, quasi-government, all quasi-stuff sphere, like a Thick bloating on a bloodstream. <laughs> Simultaneously, as we mentioned, some major consultancy firms grew very fat on the taxpayer's dollar, 
mm. with figures so huge as to be almost incomprehensible. And we will be putting some of the sources of our information mm. on our program page. Just a few examples for now on examples of what has resulted from all of this. Firstly, our notoriously neglected, as one example, neglectful aged care system. An interim report of the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety looked at the marketization of aged care services and the evolution of the aged care system into one more reliant on so-called market forces. Mm. The Royal Commission concluded that pretending that aged care is an effective consumer-driven market is a myth. And I quote, By any measure, this is a cruel and discriminatory system which places great strain on older Australians and their relatives, yeah, unquote. Which would seem to be an understatement anyway, Sharp. Mm. And who are the winners in all this? Well, Boston Consulting Group was awarded $1.1 million contract to research provider maturity in aged care. For the word. <laughs> and nearly a million to provide, quote, Options and Findings for Enhanced Aged Care Governance, unquote. Deloitte was handed a quarter of a million dollars to come up with an aged care, quote, wage estimation tool, <laughs> whatever that is, and $1 million, so Deloitte was also given $1 million to provide support for the Aged Care Transformation Program. Transformation Program. Get the lingo, Jacques. Which then didn't happen. <laughs> At the same time being paid over half a million dollars for an independent, so-called independent, review of the same program. Um, and I put independent in quotes because big consultants who don't tell the government in broad terms the sort of things they want to hear, they won't get more work. That's right. So that's not yeah, really that's... independent. Anyway, the Department of Health published a contract awarded to PricewaterhouseCoopers worth nearly $2 million to conduct a pilot, uh, uh, to, to conduct a pilot costing study of residential aged care. So we know all about the failures of aged care. So they're all, where all the millions of dollars are going mm -hmm. to these consultancy firms. It's just outrageous. And don't worry if you can't take in all, all these figures because they're huge sums of money and who can imagine... Um, who can even hold them in their head? Mm. And and these are huge sums of money from our public purse to private companies. And these figures are really mind-boggling. Yeah, and does all this outsourcing make, make things cheaper anyway? Mm -hmm. In the UK, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher in the 1980s, she was a great champion of paying private firms to do government work during her reign. Total managed government expenditure increased by 7.7% between 1979 and 1990. That's nearly 8% in real terms. Mm. President Reagan, who was US president during the 1980s, also famously championed the outsourcing of government work to private firms. But US federal spending grew under his watch too, on average by 9% each year largely owing to increases in military expenditure. Mm -hmm. And that was Albertson and Stepney study in 2020. Yeah. So I guess the point is with the neoliberal push in the UK and the US that we followed, as we do, and all the contracting out of work of government, government spending actually increased. So yeah. it didn't even... 
meet the efficiency, the financial mm. efficiency That's objective. Right. Yes, and in Australia, the Howard and Morrison governments have been the largest spending ones by a fair shot. Much of the spending went on without also without proper tendering. Yeah, we've all heard by now, quite notoriously, uh, um, or at least in relation to the Morrison government, we've heard a lot of that, um, of tendering going... um, Crucially, a lot of the spending has been on defence contracting, a true scandal, really, at a time when the noise of warmongering has amplified hugely, and we have talked about that repeatedly. Yeah, and we've heard a lot about the lack of, the lack of proper tendering and contracts given to favoured companies or mates. Yeah. That's right. There have been a splurge of zero tender contracts, mostly military contracts awarded without competitive public tender process, with no opportunity for firms to undercut one another on price. So... It's not even good business practice, is no. it? Because contracted work becomes more expensive yes. when it's not going out to yes, tender. Yes, absolutely, and with less public value for taxpayer money. According to a guy called Bean, who analyses Australian tender data, and he was reported in the Saturday newspaper again. Well, the Saturday Un- paper. Uh, the Saturday, yeah, Saturday paper, sorry. Untendered contracts from the Department of Defence have escalated. And I quote, in May 2018, a sudden increase occurred at about the time time where the Liberal Party started showing signs of replacing Malcolm Turnbull with the very likely possibility that the Liberal government might go on an election between May and August. An exceptionally high untendered contract value has continued through the end of March 2019. And then... With the election announced in April, an explosion in untended contracts has occurred from 1st of April to the 18th of May 2019. In this time, 50 billion in contracts was awarded without any tender tender process. And that's just incredible. Mm-hmm. $50 billion in defence contracts awarded without any tender process. How how is that even legal? <laughs> That's right. So what, and what a waste really. of our taxpayers' money! And yet we can't seem to afford proper aged care, public housing, or even raising Centrelink payments to the poverty level. And none of us vote for any of this outsourcing, or even the practice of outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And um, and none of us participate in any decision money. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, decision Deci- money. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that was a slip of the tongue. Mm. None of us participate mm. in any of this decision making. Yeah, true. Um, but we all have to leave it here at this moment because we're running out of time, Jen. Mm-hmm. But in future, we certainly will be looking at options for recapturing government's capability and capacity to produce what is of real value for the populace. Yeah. Public money used for creating public value. Now, mm. wouldn't that be something, Shark? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, For our community announcement today, we'd like to publicise a festival of resistance to a weapons expo to be held in Brisbane from the 1st to the 7th of October. Besides our listeners in Queensland, we are guessing most people won't be able to attend anyway, but 3CR will be covering it across different programmes from the 1st to the 7th of October. You can also go to the website to find out more about what you can do. That website is https https uh, colon forward slash forward slash disrupt land forces 
That's one word, disruptlandforces.org.org. Yeah. This is from the website. Land Forces is the largest land-based weapons expo in the Southern Hemisphere. Like those industry trade shows where companies have little displays to show off their products and schmooze the procurement managers of large firms. That's what happens at that, at that expo. Yes, we live in a world where it is some event manager's job to facilitate the meeting, mingling and whining and dining of weapons company executives with the public servants and elected officials who decide how to spend our money and who to murder with it. Mm. We're simply not having it. That's why we hold a festival of resistance to disrupt, interrupt and obfuscate their efforts to generate conflict as the byproduct of profit. And we'll put the link on our program page. <sighs> that was a long haul. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our program. If you want to send us a message, please email Borderlands borders at borderlands.org.au Our past programs are available on podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au Meanwhile, please enjoy Melkumana by King Stingray. Melkumana! listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.